0: Acorns and mustard seeds. Uh, back when uh, Brittany and I and the kids lived in North Carolina, uh, one of, now we only actually went once. I started to say one of our favorite places to go. I say that because we talked about going back every year, uh, but we only went once, was Charleston, South Carolina. And in Charleston, South Carolina, we discovered this beautiful photo that you see here. This is the angel oak in Charleston, South Carolina. This oak tree is estimated to be somewhere between four and 500 years old, Um, and uh, man, it's just a sight to see. If you'll go ahead and flip to the next picture, I just wanted to to give you, this gives you a little better context, seeing people next to it, how truly massive it is, and then if you'll go to the third picture, this one has nothing to do with the context, I just thought that she was cute and it proves that we were really there. (laughs) So And obviously she was a little bit younger. Uh, but this tree is, is just truly fascinating. Why don't you go ahead and jump back to that first picture, Joseph. Just uh, Yeah, there you go. And I, I don't know if you can tell. I'm trying to go on my screen and zoom in, but that's not a capability we have. They actually have it like propped up in different places. Um, and I was thinking about that this week because the text that we're going to look at in a few minutes... Uh, in the message, we're all familiar with the parable of the mustard seed. In the message translation, it actually uh, renders that story as an acorn, which I have brought with me. And just to, to illustrate to you this morning, something this small has within it the ability for something that massive. And that, that, that's, that's where we're going this morning. Is we're going to explore that idea of what is the Lord telling us about the kingdom when he shows us an acorn that can turn into a massive oak tree, or and we will touch on the mustard seed as well too. Um, and a mustard seed, you know you, you guys can probably see this acorn fairly well, uh, a mustard seed uh, would be would be more like this. like you, you probably would not be able to see it unless you were to come up here. They're very, very small. Um, and I'll talk more about the mustard seed in, in a moment, but Let's go ahead and jump to the scripture. This is uh, Luke 13, verses 18 and 19. Uh, we're going to do the Message version first, and then we'll do the New Living Translation here in a few minutes. Then he said, "How can I picture God's kingdom for you?" I, I love that that phrase. What kind of story can I use? You know, we've been talking about stories as Jesus using. Uh, these made up, but but stories connected to earthly things to help us latch on to heavenly realities. And so he's just sort of asking, how can I picture this? How can I share this? And what I want to point out before we jump into it is that none of these stories paint a picture of the fullness of the kingdom. Each one is sort of highlighting a different aspect or attribute it's pulling things out but you have to take them all together to get the full context so when we talk about it's like an acorn that a man plants in his front yard it grows into a huge oak tree with thick branches and eagles build build nests in it we're going to try to draw out what jesus is trying to say to us about the kingdom but it's not a full picture this is why he told so many different parables because the kingdom uh, is, is multifaceted. And so we're just going to sort of zoom in and, and try to pull out what Jesus has for us in this particular parable. And I, there's three things that came to mind, but before we get to the practical, let's also go ahead and read this in the New Living Translation. And then we'll sort of carry both of those images in our mind as we go. Uh, New Living says, Then Jesus said, What is the kingdom of God like, or how can I illustrate it? It's like a tiny mustard seed that a man planted in a garden. It grows and becomes a tree, and the birds make nests in its branches. Now, we're not going to spend a lot of time on this part, but one thing I I want to illustrate. So the message, I I believe, chose this uh, imagery of an oak tree and an acorn because that's more cultural, uh, fits more with our cultural context. In other words that's native to where we live, we understand that. We, we can Most of us have seen mighty, maybe not quite like the one I had up there, but we've seen mighty oak trees, and we understand how large they get. Many of us have raked acorns out of our yard. You know, We, we get that. Well, to go back into Jesus' cultural context, when he's talking about a mustard tree, it's actually not the kind of mustard tree that you would find here on our soil. It's actually more of what we would describe as a bush... Uh, It's very scraggly, um, and it can grow up to 15 feet high, and it can sprawl very wide. If you'll go ahead and throw that up, mustard trees in the Middle East would look more, and the resolution wasn't great on this picture, so I couldn't blow it up as big. But, you know, that massive thing that birds and all kinds of things would come and nest in and live in comes from that tiny little, you know, mustard seed. And I think one of the things that Jesus is trying to tell us Regardless of which illustration you use, it says in there that it grows into a huge tree and eagles or birds build nests in its branches. And we have to think, well, in order for there to be room for that, it has to be really big. And I think one of the things that when we dig into that is that Jesus is saying... The kingdom, because he starts out, this the kingdom is like this seed that gets planted and grows into this thing, and then birds build its nests. And I think what he's saying is the kingdom has room for everyone. When a kingdom seed is planted and blossoms and turns into a tree, uh, uh, metaphorically, the kingdom has room for everyone. In other words, it's so expansive, it's so massive Uh, and accessible that everyone can find a place everyone is invited to uh, take hold of the kingdom to participate to set up home there now we know that not everyone accepts that invitation but it's not restricted because well sorry you know it's like the like the christmas story you know the inn is full now no vacancy well the kingdom's not like that jesus is telling us that It is big. It is mighty. It has room for all of his children to come and make a home there. Very, very familiar passage. We're going to look again at the message version of this. John 3.16, I think, illustrates this perfectly. This is how much God loved the world. He gave his son, his one and only son, and this is why. I love when he adds the, the, the why, right? So that no one need be destroyed. By believing in him, anyone can have a whole and lasting life. Now you notice there, he doesn't say so that no one will be destroyed. And and be destroyed is just sort of a a metaphor for what happens in the afterlife. That not being united with God for eternity is, is being separated from the source of life. It's the concept that we don't talk about a whole lot, but it's known as hell and it is a place of destruction and death and all the things that the kingdom of darkness are about. But it doesn't say that no one will be destroyed because he leaves the choice up to us whether we will accept his invitation, whether we will move towards Jesus. But he says he did this so that no one need be destroyed. In other words, Jesus' kingdom has made a way so that it's possible... If the invitation is accepted, that everyone can come into the kingdom. Jesus made his kingdom such that there is room for everyone. And just as it says here, by believing in him, or in other words, accepting his invitation to come into relationship with him, anyone can have a whole and lasting life. Anyone. Okay, now the next thing that I think that we would pull out of this story of the acorns... And the mustard seed, it might seem kind of obvious, but it's that a kingdom seed, now of course we're just using this to illustrate, but a kingdom seed has potential for explosive growth. So when you look at this, and I know Dale has touched on this before, uh, you can look at this another way, how many oak trees are in here? Well you say just one because you plant it and it grows into an oak tree, but that oak tree then reproduces. And so in one way, you could say that there are actually forests of oak trees in this little acorn. Like, and that, that is the same in the kingdom. When you plant a kingdom seed, when you uh, show Jesus' love and kindness to someone by serving them, when you invite them to take steps towards Jesus, when you live your life in a way that demonstrates a life of worship and surrender, those seeds have the potential for explosive Kingdom growth. In other words, those simple acts of obedience and living your life towards Jesus and the things that he calls you to, those things have the potential to plant kingdom seeds that will grow into something uh, massive and incredible. Flip over with me, if you would, to 2 Corinthians 5, verse 20. It says, We are Christ's representatives. God uses us to persuade men and women to drop their differences and enter into God's work of making things right between them. We're speaking for Christ Himself now. That's another way of saying, again, we are His ambassadors. We are sent by Him. And then it says, become friends with God. He's already a friend with you. Again, for us, the choice is on our end. God has already made his decision. He has already positioned himself, paid the price, made himself available, made it possible for us to have intimate friendship and relationship with him. That That is settled in his mind. He is not looking at the humans across the globe and saying, yeah, I could be friends with that one, but I, I'm not sure about that one over there and he's not sorting through us in that way he has he has displayed his love and his heart in that he set forth a plan that he said to all of us i am your friend i am here for you i have made a way i have made it possible for you to enter into real life and to become as we used to sing an old song friend of god we have become his friend but, but the instruction is there for us to become friends with him. So in other words, he he has extended his arms, he has done his part, and we have the choice to respond to that invitation. But there's another aspect in here that the, in this scripture, as well as in the parable, that I want to draw out. It says that we are Christ's representatives. God uses us to persuade men. and women. Now, I want to pause because and uh, you may have heard me say this before, don't read that phrase, God uses us to persuade and make the mistake that we can argue people into the kingdom. Because I've tried it and it doesn't work. I stopped trying it a long time ago because it didn't work. And as you know, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. So I think Jesus has a, has a better way. Uh, But when he's talking about using us to persuade men and women, he's not talking about arguing people into the kingdom. He's talking about uh, bearing the fruit that we have because we're part of the kingdom. In other words, as I said a minute ago, living our lives in such a way that others are, are attracted to what we have a hold of. Not necessarily that everyone likes us or our personality. That's not necessary. I know some of us... Uh, at times struggle with, you know, have, have you experienced this where you find out that you've met someone and it just becomes apparent they just don't really like you. And he's, and for some of us, that's a real struggle. I want everybody to like me. I want everybody to think I'm, I'm cool and put together. Of course, I know that I'm not, so it's kind of a joke. But, you know, but you want people to think well of you. Well, that's not, again, what he's talking about here. He's talking about Building a bridge so that people can tap into the real life that we are living, that we're experiencing, in a way that attracts them or or helps uh, instill in them a desire to seek that which has made the difference. That's one of the things that I like to think about uh, our relationship with Jesus, uh, is that do we live our lives in a way that demonstrates Jesus actually makes a difference? We say that he does, and I think we believe it, but do the people around us see things in our life that make them go, hmm. Now, if I was that person, I, it probably wouldn't go that way, or I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't feel the way they're... F- I just wonder, I just wonder, do we actually, with hearts full of faith, believe that Jesus makes a difference, or is he just something that we just sort of add to our lives to so that we can be good people i have been there i've i've slipped into that at times but i think as kingdom people we can have an experience and and we and we regularly do here that jesus is real like he's really really real not only because we believe in him and we believe his word but because he actually shows up he does stuff he meets us in worship. He 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 ministers and, and testifies to our heart or to our, our spirit person that, that he is alive, that he is real. Um, and so the thing that I want to draw out here as the third concept from this idea is that these kingdom seeds that we read about in the parable are planted by kingdom people. In the same way that this acorn has the uh, m- multiplication potential of entire forests of oak trees. You, as a kingdom person, have that kind of potential. That it's not just that you can plant one seed and and hopefully something happens, but that you will plant lots of seeds. And again, as we said before, your job is to plant the seeds and sometimes to water seeds that you've planted or others. But then, if you go back to the scripture, does it say that, that we stick around and make sure it grows? No. It says it's like an acorn that a man plants in his yard, and it says, and it grows. Does the man have anything to do with it growing once he's planted it and watered it? No. Jesus brings the increase. Jesus brings the growth. But we can't fall into the trap of thinking that Jesus also plants all the seeds. Now, he moves sovereignly. He can can set things up and coordinate things, but he wants to use us to plant these kingdom seeds. And one of the churchier ways that I like to say it, if we're called to be disciples of Jesus, we should be disciples who make disciples. Everything about the kingdom, this is one of the the aspects that I think Jesus is trying to help us latch on to, Everything in the kingdom has this aspect of multiplication. It's not just for you and your benefit. It's for the benefit of those around you. And so at one point, you were impacted by a kingdom seed. You came into a relationship with Jesus because another kingdom person helped plant, that, whether it was your just your parents or a family member a co-worker or friend, whoever that person in your life was that helped. Plant and water the kingdom seed in your life. Jesus has done that, and inherent in His invitation to come to Him for relationship, included with that is the invitation to then also go and be a seed planter, to also go and water. This is connecting back again. The, the, all these parables are 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 interlinked. They may highlight different aspects, but they're all interlinked. And 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 using this. Sort of analogy of uh, from back in Matthew 13, when we looked at the harvest story, it's planting and watering and expecting God to bring the harvest. And so, kingdom seeds are planted by kingdom people. Disciples of Jesus should it should just be inherent or second nature. Now, there's plenty of reasons why it's hard for us to do right? I, I'm not saying that we don't have to be intentional. We actually do because it's one of the things that the enemy doesn't want to happen. You know, he would be uh, probably happy and for the most part leave you alone if you were to say, well, I have my faith and I believe in God and I know where I'm going when I die and that's good enough for me. Uh, I'm just going to hold on till that time comes. Well, the enemy's probably not going to bother you too much if that's your sort of your your attitude about it. One of the uh phrases that when Bob and I have coffee, we'll we'll talk about this and because it's it's prevalent in Christianity. We call it hunker in the bunker. And and some of you can can relate to this type of thinking is that, you know, this is how we're going to get through this world is that we're going to hold on tight to Jesus. And hope that things aren't too bad and we know that one day he'll come and deal with this and and we'll go and be with him in heaven. And you know, friends, that's true. There's nothing that, that was said in there that's not true, but it's an incomplete picture and it falls far short of what Jesus has invited us into. He's not just invited us to experience kingdom life someday when we cross over and go to heaven. He's invited us to come begin experiencing kingdom life right now, in this moment, in this day. And even in spite of the things going on in your life that you think, well, you know, this isn't fun, or this isn't good, or this is hard, or, you know, I, I, again, those of you that are dealing with, with sickness uh, or disease or chronic conditions, you think, well, this doesn't feel like the kingdom. Well, we know it's not yet fully come. Things are not yet perfect. We're moving that direction. We, we will see that again at that future state, but we can't miss the invitation that even in the midst of what's going on in our life today, Jesus' invitation is, come experience more of my kingdom. Come experience more of, of what I have for you so that you can give it away. And again, I just want to reemphasize this. If this moment for you in life is a moment of difficulty or of something not being right, that does not exclude you from Jesus' invitation to give it away or to water other seeds. Yes, it's good to ask for your own healing. It's good to ask for your own circumstances to change I'm all for that. I'm not saying that you need to pretend that things are okay when they're not. I'm not saying that you need to ignore difficult things and, you know, slap on a fake smile. But I'm saying even in the midst of those difficult things, you can respond to Jesus' invitation to show love and kindness and compassion and power to those around you, and he can still work. Whether your change comes in that moment or not, Jesus, because that's how the kingdom works. It has the potential for growth, for expansion, for multiplication. And so we're going to continue the series next week um, and go on to another parable. But for today, I just want to remind you of these three things. The kingdom has room for everyone. And everyone means... Everyone, the kingdom has this potential for explosive growth, and kingdom seeds are planted by kingdom people. And the question for you this morning is: How are you responding to that invitation? There's there's actually a whole list of invitations in there, and uh, I, I I would gather that there's probably no one in the room here who hasn't at least taking that first step to enter into a relationship with Jesus there could be online. And so that would be the first invitation that I would emphasize is if you say, you know, I know about this Jesus guy, maybe I've been, whatever your journey has looked like, but I don't know that I could say I have a relationship with Jesus. Like, I don't know if I could call him my friend, or rather he's more like this, person that I know. Or maybe you don't even think of him as a person. And Jesus would say to you, the invitation's open. I've made it possible. I've made a way. And not only have I made a way, I have I have said, come. I, I, I'm offering you a specific invitation. I want to be, Jesus would say to you, in relationship with you. And you can do that today. You can respond to Jesus and say, Jesus, I want you to be in charge of my life. I've tried my way of living. Uh, I've tried a lot of different things and it probably hasn't worked out so well for me. And so Jesus says, come try a different way. But even for those of us who have been in relationship with Jesus for a short time or a long time, he's just asking you again. See, there's always fresh invitation. None of us have arrived, right? Like being in relationship with Jesus is not like a fire insurance card or, or the Monopoly card that says get out of jail free. Like that that's not, that's not the extent of it. There's fresh invitation every day that Jesus says, you know, there's actually more about me that you don't know yet. There's more about my ways that you don't understand yet. There's more about what I can actually empower you to do that you don't know yet and so jesus invitation to you is come know me better remember the the christmas carol come and know me better man i love that my wife's getting on to me because fall is her favorite and like i've already started watching christmas movies i love thanksgiving i love fall weather but it's like, but if I wait till after Thanksgiving, there's not enough time to get all the Christmas stuff in. So that aside, Jesus is inviting us to come and know him better. And that, that can apply to all of us because, it's again, it's wherever you're at on, on that journey, there's, there's more. And just when you think, and I, I'm speaking from experience here, just when you think, I've pretty much got this on lock, I've got this figured out, I'm doing all right. He pulls back another layer. And all over again, you're like, oh, Jesus, wow. I had no idea you were that good. I had no idea you could do that kind of thing, even though I've seen you do this thing and this thing and this thing. I've seen you work this miracle in my life. I've seen you heal this condition. But I, but I never thought you would do that thing. You see, for most of us, if you're like me, when you heard this parable in times past, I mean, I'm not claiming to like bring anything new to it, but I'm just relating to how I used to read it and what I heard about it. It was primarily focused on relating the seed to our faith, and you know, it just takes. A, and, that, and that principle is true again. A, a little bit of faith can can do a big thing. Little is much when God is in it. I, I, I'm not I'm not doubting that at all. But I think, again, I think there's there's more. Because I can't do anything about the measure of faith that I have. Because faith is a gift from God. It's something that He gives us, and we don't earn it. You know, it, it's not like God sizes us up at the beginning of the week. All right, here, Dan, Dan had, you know, really good faith this week, so I'm going to give him some extra gifts. Because, he man, he just really did all the stuff. He checked all the boxes and... And you know that well that Matthew he I'm gonna put him down here on the bottom of the list because he was a little off this week. No, God gives us a measure of faith as a gift, and it all comes from Him anyway. I was laughing, you know. Tina was telling me, story, and I'm not gonna retell your stories, but she's telling me stories about about just sharing things with people that that are in her life, and she's telling me about this, and then she stopped and say. And this is not me. It's like because it's not a thing that she would naturally do, but yet when God deposits that and you and you say yes to the invitation, he, it's all. Sometimes it's almost like you hear yourself talking. You 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 are filled with him that he actually works through you, and it's like it's fun because you get to participate. It's not I gotta you know brush up and grit my teeth and I'm just going to force myself to go do this, however awkward it may be. No. The way that the kingdom comes, the way that these seeds are planted, is it's, it's, it's natural because Jesus works through us.